Good evening, everyone, and this is the TBC podcast with me, Tony Lowe. For this uh, for this episode, I had a quote ready from Saint Francis de Sales. He says, "Quote: Disquietude is the greatest evil that can befall the soul." As should mention, by disquietude, he obviously means fear. Disquietude is the greatest evil that can befall the soul, except for sin. For just as seditions and internal troubles in a nation ruin it utterly and prevent it from being able to resist a foreign invasion, so our heart, when troubled and disquieted, loses its power of maintaining the virtues which it has acquired, and also the means of resisting the temptations of the enemy, who then makes every effort to fish, as they say, in troubled waters. Disquietude arises from an immoderate desire to be delivered from the ill which we experience, or to obtain the good for which we hope. And yet there is nothing which so aggravates the ill or so impedes the good as disquietude and eagerness. Birds remain caught in the nets and snares, because when they find themselves entangled therein, they flutter and struggle wildly in order to escape. But by doing so, they always entangle themselves the more. So that's from an introduction to the devout life. And uh, I should mention briefly that I um, have already made a extended series or series of reflections on that book. If you go to my YouTube channel, I speak about it for about, I don't know, 10 hours or something. Brilliant book, uh, especially if you're Catholic and especially if you want to get into the faith. So, but I, I really like that passage. I think it's really, really important for people to reflect on. So let's go back to that first sentence. Disquietude, or fear, is the greatest evil that can befall the soul except for sin. True. It's true. Fear, as uh, Frank Herbert said, is the mind killer. And this is why I wanted to speak in this episode about what I'm going to call the Queen of the Virtues. So that quote from St. Francis be one piece of the puzzle. Let me put another piece on the board. We are told, for example, by people actually like St. Francis and other saints, um, that of all of the virtues, you could say that charity is the king of the virtues. And um, a charity is actually, uh, I think a charity is actually agape, which means um, divine or, or completely selfless love. And the idea is that, you know, that's important because um, in the New Testament, for example, agape is the Greek word for, for divine love. And we are told, if you look at the ancient Greek translation, um, Jesus says the two greatest commandments are to agape, the Lord thy God, and to agape, your neighbor as yourself. Um, so the whole of the, the Catholic or Christian law is is summarized in, in that, in those commandments, right? And that's what charity is. Charity is basically a watered down word for, for, for love. And I say that just because of the English translation. Um, but so, so love, that's what we're saying. Love is the king of the virtues, right? Divine love is the king of the virtues. Or, or humility. And they're, they're, those two are often placed in parallel with each other as if one is, is as important to the other. And the idea is that they're the they're the kings of, of the virtues because you need you need charity for example 
before you do any of the other goods, right? Before you have courage, you need to love enough to have something to, to be courageous for. Um, before you have uh, patience, you need to love someone or something enough to be patient, to patiently bear it. Before you have temperance, you have to love, for example, God enough to to with abstain from the things he wants you to abstain from, right? So love forms the foundation of all of our motives and all of our virtuous motives and therefore of, of all of our virtues. So charity is the king and humility would also be a king because you need to be, well, humility is just the inverse of pride, right? You need to understand that there are elements and there are things in the world which are before you, which you must bend to instead of the prideful idea, which is that no, everything should just bend to you because you're the best and everyone is just, you know, pride basically makes you God, right? But humility accepts that God is God and you are merely you. So he stands before you and so do his laws, so do other people, all of that, right? So before you can even accept that you have to be virtuous, you have to be humble because humble humility accepts that there are demands on you instead of pride, which puts the demands on everything else. So they're the kings of virtue, right? Charity and humility. But I think... Okay, so here's there's two pieces of the puzzle. Was the puzzle? Sorry. Here's a third piece. It seems to me that all of the virtues are in this kind of angelic web, in which the more you have of one, the easier it is to have another. And that's what I'm going to say for now. So with all that in mind, this episode is going to be called the Queen of the Virtues. And I think that queen is the virtue of peace. Now, why is that? Well, firstly, because as St. Francis said, the inverse of peace, disquietude or fear, is um, other than sin, it's the worst thing that we can have. Because he's absolutely right. It, it dampens all of our other efforts or all of our other virtues. What exactly did he say again, right? So just as seditions and internal troubles in a nation ruin it utterly and prevent it from being able to resist a foreign invasion, our heart, so our heart, when troubled and disquieted, loses its power of maintaining the virtues which it has acquired and also the means of resisting the temptations of the enemy, right? So fear weakens us, that's what he's saying. And as it weakens us, it makes us less able to be virtuous, right? Um, let's think of some examples of that. Getting needlessly angry at someone, arguably, is the result of fearing a bad reputation, right? If they've insulted you, sorry. So um, if someone's insulted you, but you get needlessly angry at them, then that can come from a fear of a damaged damaged ego. A lack of courage obviously comes from fear of the danger that you have to overcome. Um, a lack of patience comes from the fear of losing time. So if that's the case, 
Let's go back to this idea of, of all the virtues working with and for each other. I've often wondered, you know, what else is patience other than a kind of peace? Right? Patience is basically peace with the passage of time and with the people who are using it around you. What else is courage but a form of peace, right? A peace in the face of danger. Um, what else is humility other than a form of peace? The ability to be at peace with being smaller than the things around you, arguably, right? So, I think it's, uh, in one sense, it's quite obvious how valuable peace is, but I wanted to speak about it today because I often sometimes wonder if it's also profoundly overlooked. Because everything else is so much, so much at the forefront of our uh, needs as a, as human beings, and I'm going to obviously specifically be speaking to Catholics as well, um, who are really involved in this kind of stuff. So, if you were if you were going to pray for something, obviously a good priest would recommend to you pray for things like humility and patience and charity and justice but if you can you should also pray for peace because it acts as a kind of cement or um i don't want to say seasoning is that that word is a bit too weak um yeah cement is better a kind of cement that holds all of the other virtues together and keeps them anchored i think within your being because in peace, you're not pushing against yourself, right? People know that a state of peace is very much like a state of integrity. And I think people who have true integrity have, have a decent amount of peace as a result. Because uh, a state of peace, I think, is a very harmonic, harmonious state to be in. Whereas I think fear definitely shows some level of disharmony with yourself, with the situation that you're faced with, with life as you relate to it. I don't know. I don't know. Perhaps I haven't thought about it that far enough, but that's at least the impression I get. But hopefully you can see there from that reflection why you could regard peace as, as the queen of the virtues. Because she stands aside all of them as, as kind of their support. If if charity and humility march before the virtues as their captains and lead them into the world to do good, then it's almost like peace stands beside all of the other virtues as their helper, or even you could probably say as in some sense as their mother. Um, that gives care to them and keeps them keeps them warm i suppose so yeah I, I think it's profoundly important to reflect on peace and here's the other thing right don't clasp for it either how do we develop peace that's a tricky question you can't grab onto it because to do so is to be afraid you also can't be afraid to be afraid, right? 
So there's something else going on. Let's take a step back. Sometimes people have um, spoken to me about the topic of confidence. And confidence, from what I can tell, is simply earned by facing adversity and overcoming it. So you're not confident with speaking to people in a social situation, for example. So you do it a bunch of times. Uh, you try it again and again and again, and perhaps you fail until a handful of times you, you do it right. Then a few more times you do it even better. And then a few more times you do it even better again until you know that you can just go up and talk to people. Yeah. And that there's nothing, nothing bad's going to happen of it because you know how to deal with the problems. And then you become confident. And that works for basically anything, right? Skills are a better example. If you um, uh, chop a bit of wood for the first time and you get it all wrong and you do it again and again and again and again, you will become a confident carpenter because you know you're not going to make the mistakes because you know how to deal with them. So that's how you build confidence. Confidence is obviously a kind of piece or it's a reflection of a type of piece. But is that all there is to it? I don't know. Because obviously peace reflects um, or it applies to other larger aspects of life, right? So the peace of, of being able to accept, for example, that something really bad could happen tomorrow, like some cra crazy event or um, I suppose even you made it a bit more mundane, like you applied for a job and you might not get it, but you can be at peace with the fact. Now, can you practice that? I don't know. Ah, I think peace comes from acceptance, faith, and trust. That's where it comes from. It's just clicked. Because think about it. The carpenter earns his peace or confidence by not worrying about the bad outcome. Yeah. And in this case, you don't worry about the bad outcome because you don't think it's going to happen because you know you, you can overcome the problem. Right. But this kind of peace is slightly different. It's not saying that you know the problem will be solved by you, but it's like you're saying, I don't care that the problem is going to happen anyway. Yeah. Because ultimately you understand that the consequences aren't really that bad. I think that's why a relationship with God gives you peace. Because ultimately what's the worst that's going to happen? Think about that, right? If God actually exists and you actually have a relationship with him and you're part of his church and the odds are that you're going to go to heaven, what really is the worst that's going to happen? And that's why, for example, we're told in the church that the only two things that we should really fear are God himself and mortal sin. Because uh, mortal sin directly severs you from the state of grace. And if you're in a state of mortal sin when you die, the vast likelihood is that you're going to go to hell. Um so yeah, in that case, fear is uh, wise, actually. If you're not in a state of mortal sin, uh, you're in the state of grace and you're pursuing virtue and you're living virtuously, um, then, again, what's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to die? Well, if you die, you're going to go to heaven and get to meet God. You're going to have problems in front of you. Every problem that you're given in this life is an opportunity to please God. So what is there to worry about? And the other nice thing there is that he doesn't expect you to perfect every single situation. He knows that we're all flawed and stumbling, ambling our way through this mess. 
But what he most cares about is our intention. So if you know that your intention and your will and your effort is always going to be put in because you love God, then you can always have peace because you know that he's always going to let you rest in his arms and that he's always got you. So it's a kind of trust. It's a trust that comes from the idea. It's it's a trust that results from the fact that things can be bad, but even if they're bad, they're not even going to be bad. If that makes sense, right? Things could be bad, right? You could wake up tomorrow, the world goes to absolute chaos, the the power lines go down. Even if we don't make it that serious, right? You lose your job or your wife leaves you or something. Um, Or it could be even worse than that. People could people around you could die. The power lines could go. The power lines very very well could go down. We run out of water. People are starving and fighting each other in the street. But when all is said and done, God exists. So what is there really to worry about? And I don't think that's an intellectual realization. And I also understand that it's fairly tempered given the circumstance, right? I've just said that from the comfort of my own home whilst the lights are still on and whilst I'm well fed. So I understand the situation could very well change. Um, But it does apply, you know, obviously it applies at different magnitudes. Um, I think the more we can develop peace, the more we can be comfortable with the small difficulties and that builds up to the larger ones to the point where you can be as sane and you're absolutely elated by the fact that you're about to be eaten by lions. <laughs> Which one was that? I think it was Saint Athanasius, perhaps, who was like overjoyed with the fact that he was sent to, to Rome to be eaten alive by wild animals because he got to do it for God. Uh, again, I think I've already relayed the story of Saint Saint Lawrence, who was so, such had such a level of peace that he was cracking jokes whilst being roasted alive. So that's like obviously the nth degree, right? But before that, I think as we're graced with peace, um, we just become more and more comfortable with the adversities that life has because we trust that we're going to be caught when we fall. And then ultimately that none of these bad things that we come across can ultimately penetrate our inner being and cannot penetrate, they cannot penetrate God and they cannot penetrate our intentions towards him. And indeed they cannot penetrate his intentions towards us, right? He loves us. And I think knowledge of that really helps to develop peace as well. If you understand just how much God loves you, I think that's definitely a source of peace. So pray for it, I'd say, if you can. And uh, pray for it as a virtue as well. Um, Pray for it as, again, the queen of virtues. If nothing else, you want peace because it means that you can be a better person because you can trust your own virtues more and allow them to not be blown blown around by these winds of fear that we're so often in contact with. And we are so often in contact with them because the days seem to be getting darker in many ways, right? Uh, There's a lot of stress on the horizon. So 
we really want and need peace as an anchor within within that. So yeah, I think that's all. Okay, so go to tonyvclow.com if you want to see my website, uh, posts, links to my YouTube channel, music, books, that kind of stuff. And uh, please go and check out the TVC Academy, tvcacademy.com, where I've uh, released a number of courses. And there will be new courses in the future as well. I'm hoping within the next month or so, I'll be able to finish my editing for my course on enhanced an enhanced introduction to logic. That course is now recorded, but I've got I've still got about half of it left to record uh, to uh, edit. But before then, I've got the Trivium series up. Uh, as a series on how to write an essay, and also a series on um, the Socratic method. So you can find that all at thetvcacademy.com. And hopefully, you can find this podcast on YouTube, Spotify. And I believe Google Podcasts and hopefully soon Apple Podcasts as well. That'll be all. Thank you and God bless.